Greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 9.33 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. Epic fail on my part. Sorry I didn't get this out to you all sooner. Um, I had a crazy weekend. I actually kind of uh, have a story to tell you. If you don't care about this at all, you can fast forward a couple minutes and get to Hannah. (laughs) Uh, But if you're interested, here's a story that I shared from stage on Sunday. Uh, I just uh, am super thankful for you. Um, Everybody who has listened to the podcast, everybody who has come to the services and been a part of, you know, what we're doing. Uh, thank you so much. It means everything. And, uh, we're building something really cool and the connections that are happening at our church are really awesome and they matter. You, you just never know what's going to happen. So, uh, whenever we first started, uh, a guy named Drake found us online. He, he doesn't live near us at the time. He actually lived in Pittsburgh. Uh, so he just found us online and was, really uh, a fan of what we were doing and was a vocal supporter. He reached out to us multiple times and um, was messaging us and just sending us encouraging words. And it was just really cool to meet someone who wasn't from our town, who uh, was really into what we're doing. Fast forward, um, he moved to Gainesville and then uh, became engaged. His fiance was Brent and they were starting to plan their wedding. Uh, the ceremony was going to be in Gainesville, and the reception was actually going to be in St. Pete. So at that point, he reached back out to the church, and uh, he was asking some questions about St. Pete stuff. And uh, I was just like, hey, let me you know message you from my personal account. And uh, I messaged him from my account, and we just started talking and became more friendly. And he, he says, wait, you're a wedding photographer? And I was like, yeah, I'm a wedding photographer. So he hired me to come out and shoot his wedding. I went to uh, Gainesville for the ceremony and to St. Pete. It was beautiful. I'm so thankful for them that they um, included me in their big day. And uh, at the same time, uh, they were uh, asking for some help for a couple other vendors. Um, They were looking for someone to play guitar at their uh, reception. And they wanted it to be kind of um, a Spanish style. And I remember uh, back whenever we were under quarantine, uh, maybe you remember, the church was um, sponsoring these uh, things called the Let Music Be the Cure Telethon. Basically, we were raising money uh, for out-of-work musicians, and anyone could like submit a song. We kind of edited it all together so it would look cool, and then we raised money by selling T-shirts. And it was a really cool way to obviously help people that needed help, which was awesome. But we also just met a lot of really cool musicians and I have a bunch more like Facebook friends now because of that, which is really neat. Uh, One of the guys who submitted some stuff, his name is Nelson and I remembered him and I knew that he could play that style of music. So I recommended him for it. He got hired uh, for the wedding and it also turned out that uh, Gianna and Peter, if you aren't aware, Gianna normally leads our music and Peter plays guitar. They were out of town for a couple of weeks. We needed a guitar player. And so I reached out to Nelson and I hung out with him on the uh, at the wedding on Saturday and at church on Sunday. He did an awesome job. And it was all stuff that happened just because the church exists. And that's just me. That's just, you know, one little story for me. There's a hundred other stories like that out there that are happening in small group. Um, that are happening, you know, whenever you go out to brunch on a Sunday, um, 
so I just want to encourage you, uh, if you've been looking for a different kind of church, it's out there, you know, jump in, come be a part of it, make some friends and, uh, you can have a cool story too. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get into the message. Uh, actually, before we do, let me tell you two things coming up this Saturday, we will be at shuffle in St. Pete. Actually, it's not called shuffle. That's what the one in Tampa is called. Uh, check our website. I'm going to update the, um, the events right now. Uh, we'll be at uh, playing shuffleboard from three to five in St. Pete this Saturday. So come on out, hang out with us. And then at the end of the month on the 25th, we're going to um, go to a magic show. Actually, now that I think of it, that might be in September. Don't take my word for it. Go to diff.church and click the events tab and you'll see everything. Um, Chris and Ryan Zubrick, they are some awesome uh, members of our church, and they're also magicians. They just opened up a theater in St. Pete maybe like two or three weeks ago, and I've already seen it. It's literally magical. I had a great time. Um, Tiffany and I brought Owen. He's our four-year-old, and he never, ever, ever stops moving, and he was captivated for the entire hour. It It was like the best babysitting I could have asked for. <laughs> uh, so come on out with us. That's going to be an awesome time. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into Hannah. Just a quick warning. She was wearing some dangly earrings for the first minute or two in the uh, recording. So you'll hear it kind of tapping on the mic, but don't worry. It does go away pretty quickly. Uh, we're experiencing some some crazy weather here in Florida. Tropical Storm Fred. Um, you know how Florida is. I literally got a text from someone that was like, oh my gosh, are you gonna be okay? He's like, you are not from Florida, are you? <laughs> like we've had worse thunderstorms this week <laughs> than Fred will be. It's not even raining, I hope. I haven't been outside in like 20 minutes. So if it's raining, I don't know. I'm not, I'm like lying up here, but <sighs> we should talk about Jesus, I suppose. That's kind of why we're here. Our passage today is from Ephesians. So we're gonna read it and then we're gonna talk about it together. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. It says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk with wine, because that could ruin your life, but be filled with the Spirit, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to take my earrings off because I forgot. I was just about that. Yeah, I could feel the complaint from Jarrett all the way up here. <laughs> the thing about microphones is they're not made for very fashionable ladies. <laughs> so sorry for all the clicking that you probably heard already. Now, this is a very kind of like a popular passage of scripture in the Bible. It's the passage assigned in the lectionary for today. It's a common one for sermons. I think it's pretty easily pigeonholed into like one specific type of message the kind that tells you what to do and what not to do, very specifically. And some people fear maybe you've experienced this from other people, or perhaps you have been part of that culture yourself. Like if we don't tell people exactly what to do and what not to do, then um, we'll just have no accountability. We'll have no ethical merit as a people group. Um, We will have no prophetic word to speak to the world, okay? And we will just all go to hell in the handbasket There will be nothing, no rails keeping us together. Um, Like there has to be rules, right? There has to be, like how are we gonna know what's right or wrong if someone doesn't tell us? Everyone might go around murdering each other out of confusion. (laughs) That makes me think, because I I was a kid in the 90s and I played Pokemon Silver on Game Boy Color. 
that one Pokemon that's like, it hurt itself in its confusion. <laughs> like, there has to be rules, right? How are we supposed to know? It's a ridiculous example that we might accidentally murder each other if no one tells us that murder is wrong. Um, but you get my point? I hope. Like, is it helpful to have written down boundaries about things we should and shouldn't do? Yes. But even if we didn't have that, if we lived in a society that had no law book whatsoever, you would still have some sense of what is right and wrong. Like if I just, we have no law book, no rules, no police, no judges, nothing, no jail, and I just walked up to you and like punched you in the face, you wouldn't be like, hmm, I really need a book of law to tell me that that was assault and somebody should get hurt. Although, honestly, I don't punch that hard. Like, I've never punched anyone in the face, honestly. So you probably might not even feel it. <laughs> but like, you wouldn't need a book of law to be like, hey, what's wrong with you? This is a very short passage. It's five verses. I think it has amazing like depth and richness. But you know what part gets picked out and like plastered around church? This one line that says, do not be drunk with wine for that can ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Spirit. And I think it's interesting that we do this hard boundary in the American, specifically evangelical church, like with alcohol and a few other things, like if alcohol is harmful, and it can be very harmful, then we mustn't do it at all. No, no means no. Bad news bears. <laughs> if it's bad, we're just gonna stay away from it entirely. And like in the faith tradition I grew up in, like it wasn't just alcohol, it was like alcohol and smoking and dancing and any type of physical contact with someone you might be in a relationship with. And I think for some people, like putting that boundary is the most life-affirming thing they can do, right? Like not just about alcohol, but about anything. If something is a struggle for you, then putting a boundary and saying, I'm not doing that, that's not for me, that's not part of my life, that's a good thing. But to say that that's a prescription for all people of faith for all time forever is a bit over the top. Right? Like, here's an example. We don't do this with everything, just with like a few specific things. So, how many of you have ever been in a bad romantic relationship? Oh, everyone. <laughs> um, as a teenager, I was in a bad relationship, <laughs> and it wasn't the only one, mind you. It was just a bad relationship. And I knew that it was a bad relationship. I disagreed with something this person said, and he told me that I was persecuting him. <laughs> Also, a sign that it wasn't gonna work out, I learned how to knit, literally I learned how to knit so that I had something to do while he talked on the phone to me. I was so profoundly bored. <laughs> and he just wanted to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and like, I can talk, y'all. So the fact that somebody can talk more than me and I was like, I can't do, like I have to do something. Like I had to insert, I had to listen enough to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I learned how to knit. <laughs> Obviously, I still stayed with him for like another six months because I was a teenager and I was in love. Um, <laughs> he said I was persecuting him. Some relationships are toxic and terrible and harmful and just plain awful, right? Does that mean that you give up on relationships entirely? You just never have another one ever in your life? No. Here's another example. How many of you have ever eaten something that like violently disagreed with your constitution? And you, it sent, you like ate it and then you were like, there was some a movie that has like, is like bridesmaids or something and she's like trying on the wedding dress. <laughs> if you know, you know, okay? You send her like, send you run into the bathroom. Does that mean you just give up on food entirely for all time? No, right? What's the missing piece here? 
What is it that will keep us from just going off the rails if we don't have someone telling us exactly what to do at all times? Wisdom. And that's actually how our passage starts. Be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise people. And wisdom is something we, actually, we talk about a lot. Like if you've been around, I say it a lot. I think about it a lot. Because in Bible, wisdom is the highest form of truth. There's like fact truth, it's raining outside, or it's not. It's true or false. There's meaning truth, like I snapped at my partner this morning, and then, you know, I had a cold latte, and that was the universe punishing me for being a jerk. It was like meaning that I assigned to things. And then there's wisdom truth, which is about how to live, how to apply the right knowledge at the right time, in the right way, in the right circumstances. Truism um, is really hard, <laughs> which is why we don't like it, because it takes some living to get to. You can't just wake up as a baby and be like, I am wise. I have a baby, she is not wise. <laughs> she has no sense of self-preservation. I have saved her from sudden death, certain death, more times than I can count. Like she will just dive off a cliff. By a cliff, I mean the couch. <laughs> she has no idea. She'll put anything in her mouth, no, no wisdom. As adults, we know better, right? I hope you don't just like dive head first off of things. You don't pick up stuff on the ground and put it in your mouth how it takes some living to get to. And even then we might not get it right. Like, how will you know if too, how much alcohol is too much? Your body will tell you. How will you know too, how many donuts is too many donuts? Your body will tell you. How will you know that a relationship is not helpful, is actually hurting you, your body will tell you. How will you know if you really meant to be helpful, but instead you actually hurt someone's feelings and like really upset them, their body will tell you. <laughs> These are all situational. It all requires living and experiencing. And I, I think as humans, we want to be wise. Like, we don't, it's just, we don't want to be foolish. Like, we don't want the wool to be pulled over our eyes. We don't want to be walking around in the world just not having a clue what's going on but it doesn't seem to be innate. Like we are always looking for wisdom in all these other places. We're looking at for rules and regulations and in faith traditions that tell us exactly what to do and exactly what to believe and exactly how to associate with God in these very specific ways that give us some sense of comfort and peace and security. And we look everywhere except ourselves. And Gerald May said this, he said, I must confess, I'm no longer good at telling the difference between good things and bad things. Of course, there are many events in human history that can only be labeled as evil, but from the standpoint of inner experience, the distinction is quite blurred. Some things start out looking great and wind up terribly. Some things seem bad in the beginning, but turn out to be a blessing in disguise. The dark night of the soul reveals a deep divine activity a continually gracious, loving, and fundamentally protective guidance through all human experience, the good and the bad. And I think that scripture teaches that this is what the Spirit of God does for us. The scripture says, the Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Spirit is that continually gracious and loving and fundamentally protective presence in our lives as we seek wisdom and the author of Ephesians tells us here, like, we're supposed to understand God's will. Well, how? Wisdom is what reveals God's will to humans. Wisdom is about how to live well. 
and it's what can be found inside of you already. And the Spirit of God is inside of you already. And it will help you. Part of the Spirit's guidance is actually to help you access the wisdom that is already inside of you and has been there all along. This is kind of the point of a lot of counseling as well. Like the therapist is not gonna be like, let me tell you the answers. If you've ever been in counseling, you will know it's extremely frustrating. Be like, just tell me what to do. And they're like, well, tell me how you feel about that. I feel terrible. (laughs) This is a trick question. No. The purpose is not to give you the answers. It's to enable your brain and your body to arrive or to access the answers that are inside of you already. And the counselor is just kind of the guide, nudging you along the path, helping you see things that maybe you couldn't see before. And as individuals, we have access to the Spirit of God at all times, that gracious, loving, and protective presence to help us see things that we didn't see before. And as a community, we can work towards wisdom together as well because we're connected with each other and we can't really be separated. Desmond Tutu said this, my humanity is caught up. It's inextricably bound up in yours. We belong in a bundle of life. We say a person is a person through other persons. It's not I think, therefore I am. It's I am human because I belong. I participate and I share. I think this is an important truth that's overlooked and oversimplified in scripture and in church a lot. We're like, you should come to church because we miss you when you're not here. And that's true. Why? Why does it matter if you're here? Why does it matter if you're part of a faith community online? Why does it matter if you put some effort into this? Because we cannot be fully human by ourselves. We are actually pack animals. Like we need each other on a biological level, and we need each other on a spiritual level as well. And yet we spend so much time trying to be by ourselves, to identify ourselves against other people. Even a whole group of us will identify ourselves against other people. And we know the danger, especially here, I think we know the danger of like denigrating people outside of our own community. Not only does it like actively harm people, like gets us down this path of self-righteousness and arrogance where we're like, yeah, we're the best. I mean, you are the best. But that's not the best. That's not wise because drawing lines in the sand and designating us and them and who's in and who's out, it just keeps us from seeing the truth that there is no them. There is only us. The person on the opposite side from you, they could, they could be so far away from you, like ideologically, politically, socially, and still not them, just us. And like, the problem is we want to get really self-righteous and be like, well, I would never do that. But if our life experience had been different, we might be them and they might be us, right? Did you know how much I want to stand up here and like yell at other churches? I have complaints. And I'm sure we could all have complaints. How dare they? And yet the degree of difference separating us is so small. What if your life was just the tiniest fraction different? Would you be on the other side looking at us? Perhaps, Maybe like me, you already were on the other side. You were born on the other side. And it's only by the pure grace of God and God's like endless patience and persistence and protective presence 
that you've started down this path of inclusion and grace instead of judgment and divisiveness. Like how different our lives could be. What a miracle it is we've made it this far. And perhaps instead of like, how dare they, we should say, how dare we? Like how can we look at people who are not like us and think of them and treat them the way that they would treat us? It's almost as though you can take the person out of the evangelical church, but you can't, it's really hard to take the practices out of your soul. It's really hard when you leave that and you're like, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm way better. I'm a much better person. This is gonna be great. God has like transformed my life. And then we're like, those people though. They don't really deserve the same love and acceptance and grace that I've been given because they're harmful. Yeah, so are we. And that's the problem, isn't it? There is no them. There's only us. And how can we invite people to join what we have if the only difference is we sound different, but we're not different on the inside? So the question becomes like, what are we doing with the time we have? Are we living as unwise people? Are we acting thoughtlessly? Are we passing judgment on everyone else who doesn't think the same way we do? Because the times are really urgent. Not in like an end times, the rapture's coming. But like, the times are really urgent in, there are people who are trapped in theologies and ideologies that are actively harming them. So what are we doing? Are we living as unwise people? Like we can't afford to miss all the possibilities around us. When we are out of touch with God's will, we just move through the days like we're intoxicated, stumbling, reeling, engaging in questionable behavior. Like we get unfocused, we get off balance, and we forget how miraculous it is that love has been freely given to us so that we could then freely give it in turn to someone else. And sometimes it's just really hard to tear a gaze away from the harsh reality of life, right? Days are evil, verse 15 says. The passage says, don't be drunk with wine because that can ruin your life. But, but typically, we're self-medicating on some level. And self-medicating is always our attempt to block out the harsh realities of life. And the real problem is not just that our decisions become questionable and like sometimes downright harmful when we don't have full use of our faculties, it's that in trying to numb our body's response to the world, we might actually miss out on real happiness and real ecstasy. The scripture says a life of faith is, or supposed to be, in the words of 1 Peter, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Or if the NLT says glorious inexpressible joy. And in trying to numb ourselves from the reality of the world, we might miss one of the things or all the things that make our life meaningful and beautiful and worth living. The days may be evil, but our lives are not evil. And the one who gives life is not evil, but good. I'm gonna say that again. The days may be evil, but our lives are not evil. And the one who gives life is not evil, but good. 
And that spirit of good and wisdom and hope and belonging, that is the spirit that lives inside of you. And this is what we can work towards as a people, as a community of faith, to be filled with the spirit of the one who is good. To sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make music to the Lord together and in our hearts and to give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of Jesus our brother, through the spirit our mother. This is our privilege and our source of joy. Thanks be to God.